0: Hey, you're listening to Avid Research. Avid Research.
1: Avid Research.
0: An Australian STEM podcast
1: where we answer the questions you never quite got around to asking. Thanks so much for joining us again. My name's Amelia and today we have a really cool guest on the show. We've got Jo Withford who is a civil engineer at Transport for New South Wales. She's also an amazing mum. Welcome to the show, Joe.
0: Thank you, Amelia. How
1: are you? I'm pretty good. Thanks. Yourself?
0: I'm good. Very good.
1: Hopefully a little bit excited.
0: Yes. Yes. Actually, this is the first podcast that I've done. So um, yes, it's going to be good.
1: So I'd like to start with hopefully an easy question. What is your job?
0: Yes. So my current role is uh, project engineer or contract manager with Transport for New South Wales. I've worked with transport for 20 years this December, which I'm actually really proud of. And I.
1: Congratulations!
0: Yeah, and I still really, really love what I do. So, my role basically involves the development, construction, and maintenance of roads and bridges in the Newcastle area. Uh, Newcastle is just north of Sydney. I also manage two councils within our region who, and this is a little bit confusing, but these councils carry out maintenance work on the state roads on behalf of Transport for New South Wales, so we only look after the state road network. So really my job involves making sure that the road network within our communities is safe, effective and kept to a high standard. And this is, um, this is separate to my role with Transport for New South Wales, but I'm also a National STEM Ambassador with Science and Technology Australia.
1: Oh, that's cool.
0: Yeah, it is cool. I was awarded this at um, the beginning of 2020. And I guess the aim of this program is to help build the gap between science and government in Australia. And it's a really great opportunity to build relationships between Parliament and the broader STEM sector. And I guess by being an ambassador, it enables me to assist in federal politicians gaining a deeper understanding of the potential impacts of STEM in Australia. So, And also on the side, I, I really spend a lot of time trying to encourage uh, young females and young girls and women to join the STEM field. So yeah, that's that's my job and I love it.
1: That is that is so cool and con- congratulations for being awarded the ambassadorship that's really awesome and
0: yeah that was good
1: yeah do you get to talk to politicians like actually face to face. I
0: do, yes, yes. So I am talking to my local politician, and um, it's a twelve month program. So we've had a um, had one or two two meetings. Uh, it's been difficult during this year with COVID because there hasn't been a lot of face to face, and we're trying to sort of work out how we can. Um, meet up and sort of help help one another so yeah we're sort of working on that but yeah a really really great opportunity
1: so cool is there some resources that we can like point people to so that they can check out more about this and we can include that in the show notes
0: yeah, so Science and Technology Australia.
1: So you're doing a whole lot of really different things. It sounds like there's a lot of stakeholder management and there's a lot of different moving parts you need to keep your eyes on. Mm. What does an average day, if there is such a thing, what does it look like for you?
0: Yeah, so every day is certainly different and, and that is one thing that I love about engineering because it is so incredibly diverse So my day really depends on what project I'm working on. Um, However, as I said before, this year has been completely different due to COVID-19 because I have basically worked from home since March. (laughs) So in this situation, um, my days are spent really in front of the computer, having lots of MS team meetings and Zoom meetings, um, and occasionally trying to get out on site. However, a normal day, like not in a global pandemic, um, consists of, <laughs> <laughs> consists of me uh, travelling to the office, which is only twenty minutes away, um, generally doing admin work, looking at emails, collaborating with other sections within transport for New South Wales, and these sections you know being the design road designers, surveyors, surveillance officers, geotech engineers. And then I also try and get out on site as much as I can. A lot of of my time is spent considering the impact that our projects are going to have on the environment, as well as the community, so I do spend a lot of time speaking with the residents about about our projects, as well as dealing with complaints or issues that, that may arise and which do arise
1: for people who are listening who might not be across all the types of engineering are you able to give a really sort of like broad brush explanation of what civil engineering is
0: yeah so there's so so many different types of engineering and each year there uh, there's more and more (laughs) different types um, such as uh, you know biomedical engineering aeronautical engineering mechanical environmental chemical or the, the list goes on but a civil engineer based basically is involved in the design and construction of roads, bridges, dams, infrastructure, basically. That's in it, it, it in a nutshell.
1: I have heard it described as basically the engineering of everything that doesn't move.
0: Yes, yeah. And one of the other things I love about civil engineering is that really it's all around us. So, you know, if you just stand still and you look around the houses that you you live in, you know, the, the roads that you travel on, the bridges that you cross, uh, the dams, um, sewage treatment plants—you know—that's buildings, high-rise buildings. It's all all civil engineering.
1: It's, it's so cool that it's a kind of engineering that we can interact with every day but it's also got the power of good civil engineering sort of can shape communities and that sort of stuff as well like it kind of goes both ways.
0: Yes most definitely and that, that's why I love what I do um, and a lot of people may not think that you know the maintenance of roads and infrastructure it's maybe not as glamorous as working on you know a multi-story building or you know a brand new road but, but to me if if the infrastructure um, is deficient then that's when communities really suffer you know we've seen bridges collapse over you know overseas and culverts you know collapse and you know pe- people actually die from that or even you know minor things like potholes on roads you know people can people can die by hitting these so yeah it's really the maintenance of our infrastructure is is critical
1: definitely. And I think a, a well-kept road also helps people feel positive about the place that they're in as well.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And it's, you know, aesthetically pleasing. Everyone likes a new road and new drainage and, and it makes, um, you know, nice nice concrete paths and nice curb and gutter. It's It makes the area look really good and functions well. Hmm.
1: What are some of the skills that you need to be able to do your job, it sounds like it would be quite diverse.
0: Yes, there's many skills that you need to have in in order to be a good engineer. And some of these are, you know, great problem solving skills. I see engineers as being problem solvers. We need good conflict management skills because yes, there's always conflicts. Um, We need to have good technical skills, great time management skills because you've got so many so many things going on at the same time and definitely good team working skills. It's very rarely are you working by yourself. it's all all within a team environment. And they're they're very, very important. However, I think the most important skill is being able to communicate well because in my role I'm dealing with a lot of residents, sometimes politicians, other professionals and councils and and also good written communication skills is also really valuable.
1: Do you find when you're working with those different Groups of people, you need to be able to move between kind of different languages. So whether you're talking more technical or more political or more like social kinds of yeah kinds of languages.
0: Yes, definitely, definitely. You know, when you're speaking to a politician, they may not have the technical background, or you know, they may not know a lot about civil engineering. So yes, you you need to not not be. Well, you, you can't use jargon. You know the engineering jargon. It's the same as when you when I go to primary schools and high schools. Um, you know, you, you really need to speak speak to your audience and really know who you're speaking to and the level. And you know, you'd never talk down to people, but you you change change your language. And you know, you I'm not going to be really technical to a class of year five students.
1: Yeah. And I think the trick is not talking down to them with the concept. So you can use simpler language and still talk about really complicated ideas and uh, show respect that way. Yes,
0: that's right. Most definitely.
1: Are you able to go into some of the technical skills that you need?
0: Uh, Yes. So it depends. I'm more in project management, um, so a lot of a lot of my skills are are within managing teams and managing people. Whereas, say a road designer is a lot more technical than myself, or you know, a designer for a for a building. So they really need to understand the specifications in depth. You know, have a, have a really in depth understanding of those I, I know about the specifications and I know what's in them and yes I am quite te- technical when it comes to road works and bridge works but there's all different levels of, of technical ability.
1: I think that's really interesting that yeah it's going to depend on what role you kind of gravitate towards and uh, yeah what technical skills you're going to end up developing more of.
0: Yes and I don't think you can um, you can't be good at everything. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and that that's why there's so many experts out there. If I need someone who really knows about pavements and concrete, for example, then I will go to a specialist in, in that area. So I sort of have an overview, understand, you know, yeah an overview of most things but I'm not I'm not really really technical when it comes to say concrete or you know reinforcement.
1: And I think that's probably something a lot of people don't necessarily have appreciation for is that there is a huge amount of science and maths and everything that goes into roads and that goes into bridges and it's incredibly technical. Mm, it is it is and, and the time that it takes to,
0: and the, the amount of work that it takes, even before you, you know, you get onto site is quite, quite incredible. And I think the public and a lot of other people don't appreciate how much work is involved in actually just, just doing minor works.
1: Yeah. You're not allowed to just run around either building roads or randomly filling up potholes.
0: That's right. <laughs> That's right.
1: There's a system, people.
0: <laughs> there is. There's a, yes, a, a process <laughs> that needs to be followed.
1: <laughs> How have you ended up in this role? Like, it sounds really interesting. What was your path, say, from high school to where you are now?
0: Yeah, so when I was 15 years old or at the end of year 10, I was a Rotary Exchange student to Canada for 12 months. And while I was over there, I babysat for a lady who was an engineer. And I can remember thinking just how interesting her job sounded. So I, after the 12 months, I came home and then went into year 11 and 12, where I studied engineering studies. Uh, I really, really loved that and as a result of my HSC mark i was awarded a co-op scholarship to study civil engineering at the university of new south wales it wasn't actually my first choice so i wanted to go into medicine 28 years ago you know if you didn't get the mark then that was it and i missed out by a couple of marks no <laughs> oh, um, whereas now, you know, they they have your markers only fifty percent of it, and they, they have have the interview, which is a, a much better process. But anyway, I was accepted into civil engineering, and I thought, well, I really loved engineering studies, so I'll, I'll give it a go for a year, see what I what I thought about it, and I ended up loving it. And yeah, I I still, as I said before, I still love it, and I think you know the fact that I've been with transport for new south wales for the last 20 years yeah it's a really it just shows yeah shows how dedicated i am to it i guess
1: i love the story about the rotary exchange do you think if you hadn't done that like would you have known that engineering was an option
0: i I would have because my dad was my engineering studies teacher, okay <laughs> so I, so I, I grew up in that environment, you know, being surrounded by engineering. So for me, yes, I probably would have because I was aware of it, but if but I feel for kids whose parents aren't um, in the engineering circle because they they really don't have the opportunity to find out about engineering and that that's what I'm sort of trying to to assist with by going and speaking about engineering to primary schools and high schools just so just so you know kids who don't who aren't given that opportunity to be exposed to engineering
1: have a chance. And I think it's one of those careers that You might have heard of the title, but having any idea of what goes on behind the scenes, what you would actually do is really, really hard to get a handle of unless you're actually talking to someone.
0: Yes, yes. And showing pictures and, you know, when I go to primary schools, I always take samples, samples of concrete and, you know, reinforcement and different materials. So it's, you know, a bit more hands on.
1: That's cool. It's a shame we can't show people here. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) How did you choose civil engineering out of all of the options?
0: I love maths and I actually really like concrete, which is really weird.
1: Um, And I... We need people who like concrete. We need those people.
0: Oh, yeah, I I love... I love the smell of it. I love the feel of it. Very, very weird. Yeah, and I just, I love the idea of helping, helping our communities. And so that that's, that's why I chose civil engineering because as I said before, it's all, all around us.
1: So you get to bring together two of your passions, concrete and helping people. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. That's so cool. <laughs> yes. You've already mentioned... Uh, The Rotary Exchange and the babysitting is one of the key events that sort of helped you on your career. Is there any other key events that have sort of been triggers that have helped push you or helped encourage you to where you are now?
0: Uh, early earlier on definitely my dad you know being my engineering studies teacher and enjoying maths and um, and engineering he was a fabulous role model so that that was i was i feel really lucky to have have him as my role model. But I also really love maths and I can remember having a really, really wonderful supportive maths teacher in Year 9 and Year 10. So oh, good. Really so important. So important, especially especially for a female because I, I'm seeing, seeing now and it's because I've got three daughters as well. When they enter, and I don't know why this is, but when they enter about Year 4 or Year 5, the girls seem to come to a conclusion about their ability in maths and whether they're good or not, which is very um, concerning because a lot of the girls, the the young girls that I have met have said, oh, you know, I'm not as good as the boys at maths. So I think having having really wonderful maths teachers is very, very important. Yes. And I'm glad I had
1: that. That's just heartbreaking to think that at year four, I don't know how old that is, but it's young. Like you don't know if you're good at it yet.
0: Well, <laughs> oh, it's 11, 10 or 11. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And then that, you know, that thought or that, that idea in their mind sort of continues on all the way through to, you know, to high school.
1: We got to squish that one.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that, that's, that's, I'm trying to help help with that, and uh, and I think by going into the schools and engineers Australia are very active in that space as well, which I'm also involved in you know where we go. We go into primary schools and um, and high schools, but but really, really the primary schools I think is the most important time because it's when when you can really mould um, the young kids' minds about all their different options and and about how important maths is and you know maths is all around us and yeah and it's not just the boys that are good at it.
1: <laughs> no, and it's not something to be scared of.
0: No. Not at all, no. I mean, you, when you're making a cake, you know, you can you can teach them about maths when you're making a cake with the measurements and, and I do that at schools. We, we make concrete and, you know, just getting, using the measure, the measuring cups and everything, that that's all maths. And, yeah, so it's, it is nothing to be scared of.
1: How did you get involved with the outreach with schools? Like have you been doing that throughout your whole career?
0: I've been doing it for about um, oh, the last... 15 years and it all started just with my eldest daughter who was now 18. Um, She was in third class and they were doing a topic on materials and the teacher and I were just talking and I said, you know, I'm an engineer and I've I've got these great materials and I can do up a PowerPoint presentation and come in and, and talk about engineering and I did that and the kids just loved it. And even a couple of the girls who are now doing their HSC uh, all these years later are considering engineering. So I feel feel really great about that because maybe maybe I had had a, something to do with that all those years ago. Uh, and, and, and it's just followed on from that. I saw the kids, how much they loved it and, um, and that it really supported the school curriculum. And, yeah, so I've done that for all of my daughters And uh, I also go to universities and speak and high schools and yeah, so it's just, it's sort of just snowballed, but it was out of my initiative, I guess.
1: Fantastic. And it was also just out of having a chat as well. And so many good things come out of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right.
1: That's awesome. What is something really, really cool about going to work every day? What helps you get up, especially when you're going to be facing an eight hour screen time? (laughs) what helps you keep going? <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> oh, I think something really cool about my job and maybe maybe it hasn't been that cool this year <laughs> with working at home, but but is is the fact that I do get to work on so many different projects. So, you know, reflecting on my career, I've worked on multi-storey buildings Uh, in Sydney. I've been involved in the construction of the Sydney Casino, simple road crossings. I've worked on bridges, uh, the remediation of heritage bridges, which is just I love. And I also really love driving around my local area and seeing projects that I have managed or or that I have been involved in. So I, I find that really cool and really rewarding.
1: Well, for lots of us, we're like lucky if we get to interact with our work at all, but you actually get to drive on it.
0: Yeah, I know, I know. And then I, I also get excited about the thought of helping people in our communities. I, yeah, that, that's really important, important to me.
1: I kind of want to ask you about remediation of heritage bridges, but I don't know if that's too far off track.
0: No, no. I mean, in the, especially in the Hunter region, there's numerous bridges that are, you know, hundreds of years old and and they're really great to work on because they are listed as a heritage item so you have to go through, um, through a lot of additional rigorous processes, I guess, because you don't want to put all all brand new materials or you you want to keep that heritage nature of of the bridge. But a lot of them are so old and uh, I was involved in the remediation works of Eldersley Bridge, which is near Brangston, which is probably, you know, an hour and a half's drive west of Newcastle and the deck was just, it was just deteriorating. So we put, and this is getting a little bit technical, but we put a stress laminated timber deck and so off site, so right next to the bridge, we acquired some land and we built the deck all in one piece off the off to the side of the bridge, and then we use we we put it on these big casters on the road. And probably a bit hard to to visualise, but you know the big casters are like the shopping wheels, uh, the the wheels on the shopping trolleys, and we had all those lined up, and we put the deck on top, and we basically rolled it into place. <laughs> and um yeah, that that was just really that was an amazing project to be involved in.
1: That is fantastic. That is like the coolest mm. thing I've heard all day <laughs> by far.
0: <laughs> you are in lockdown in Melbourne though. So. <laughs>
1: There's that, but also like you know, that's really really cool. It I'll is. say all week then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that idea. Love it. Mm. What advice would you give to a young person who's interested in becoming a civil engineer?
0: So I'd certainly encourage them to pursue engineering, as it is such an a you know incredibly rewarding uh, career. I would, If you are a female thinking about in, entering engineering I, I would certainly be honest with them and tell them that it's not always going to be easy working in an area with poor gender balance. There still exists a lot of biases against women but fortunately there have been significant improvements in um, recent years and we we still do have a way to go to ensure women are given equal opportunities but but we certainly are heading in the right direction yeah so i i would i would discuss that with them uh and because i think that it really helps young females to be aware of some of the challenges that they may come up against but you know to me these challenges just make it more interesting
1: and like it's in Important to recognise that just because there's going to be challenges, just because the whole thing isn't going to be easy, doesn't mean that it's not going to be worth it.
0: Oh, that's right. And it makes it more re- rewarding. That's right. And there's there's challenges in every every industry and every everywhere, you know, you go and work.
1: And I think when we are talking about industries where there is a gender imbalance, like every chick matters and... Like you can go in and make a difference. And I think it's good to build people up. <laughs> Most
0: definitely. And people are people are, um, are realising that a lot more now. And, you know, managers are big beginning to see more long-term and recognising that women, you know, will want to have families but they but still providing opportunities for their career growth during this time. And I think that that's a really important point because this leads to more women staying in these active engineering roles and, you know, com- being able to compete for senior positions in the future and um, really, you know, having that pipeline effect. So, yeah, we're heading in the right direction
1: we have got good momentum. And if you're interested in it, you should definitely go for it is what I'm hearing. (laughs) Most definitely.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. Cool.
1: We've kind of touched on this already, but if we could get the whole general public to listen to this, is there any message you'd really like them to go home with? Is there something, a misunderstanding that you'd really like them just to stop misunderstanding?
0: Yes, uh, probably uh, the time it takes to arrange any construction work, um, it's certainly underestimated by, by the public. Whenever we undertake any projects, you know whether it's be big or small projects, we constantly need to consider the impact that we're having on the environment, the safety of our workers, uh, as well as the motorists and and the environment yeah, and the impact that we're having on the community. So, so a lot of work, uh, an enormous amount of work goes on before we actually commence any construction work. So, you know, someone might complain about something and, and it reaches us and it might take, you know, one, two, three weeks before we can actually commence any work. And that's not because we're not doing anything.
1: <laughs> I definitely thought you were going to say months then.
0: <laughs> oh, well, it depends. Yes, it could be months most definitely it could be years but yes it, it depends um when I was saying weeks so uh, you know I'm thinking of the minor the minor works
1: yeah and I think understanding that it's complex and having a bit of patience with the process like and maybe putting yourself in the shoes of someone who would be potentially negatively impacted by that works and understanding that you needed you would need to be involved and all that sort of stuff
0: yes and I think that that's where the, the good communication skills really comes into play. I find that a majority of the, uh, the residents and, and community members, they're completely fine and if you talk to them and if you tell them what's going on. So it's just about having that good communication between yourself and, and everyone else.
1: And respecting that people want to be in the loop.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. And you know, you can be, you can be honest, and people appreciate you being, you know, your authentic self and telling the truth. And and that that's what I try and do with all of my projects and and my the way that I liaise with you know with major stakeholders and and the community.
1: Always good to know that there's people working in government like you.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> true.
1: Is there anything else you'd like to share? Anything we haven't covered that you'd like to bring up?
0: Uh, We've spoken a little bit about this, but um, but it is a particular passion of mine to try and encourage young girls and women to study and develop an ongoing interest in STEM. And I really want to do my part to improve the current statistic of 12% female representation in the engineering profession, (laughs) which is way too low. Um, and it's it's way too low because we know that the uh, inclusion of females in STEM, you know, not only promotes scientific excellence, um, but it allows diversity of thought, you know, reduces potential bias and promotes robust um, knowledge and solution. And, yeah, this I guess this is what really drives me and what I will continue uh, working on.
1: And I think one of the... Uh, kind of assumptions about something like engineering might be that it's only about maths So it's only about the technical side. And what you've been talking about here is that there's a huge amount of all those other soft skills. Like it's not like if you become an engineer, you're going to get locked in a room and never get to see anyone again. Like it's hugely collaborative. You're going to get to work with lots of different people.
0: That's, that's right. And also another thing I want to say is, um, and I was told this when I was going through school if I wanted to be an engineer, I had to do, you know, the highest level of maths, physics and chemistry. And that, that's just not true. Yes, if you did those subjects and you're good at it, then yes, the engineering degree might be a little bit easier for you. But if you if you don't do those, um, you know, physics and chemistry, I, I think everyone needs to do maths. But if you don't do physics and chemistry, you can still get through You can still do bridging courses and um, I didn't do physics and chemistry in year 11 and 12 and people said I was crazy but I I found it really, really tough. I loved maths but physics and chemistry – you know just wasn't for me and I you know bumbled my way through first year at university physics and chemistry but I got through so yes and I, I mean I don't use physics and chemistry now <laughs> I use maths but yeah you're right it's um, it's about you know having really good communication skills and um, written and verbal skills and dealing with people and and being a good manager
1: they can be hard skills to pick up, but they're good. And just on like if you're not enjoying studying something while you're in high school, whether it's maths, physics, chemistry, any of that sort of stuff, it does not mean you won't enjoy studying it at uni or that you won't enjoy using it when you're out in the field. Like the the sample that you get at school isn't necessarily representative of what it's really like to use. So don't let that put you off.
0: <laughs> oh. Most definitely, and also the same goes for what you learn at university. You know what I what I learned in my four years of the engineering degree, I probably use very, very little of it now. So I'm I'm so so grateful that I continued on and finished my engineering degree because it's so much better outside, you know, in the real world.
1: I think that goes for a lot of degrees, to be honest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do too. and I and as a result, I think when you are doing a university degree, no matter what it is, to get that practical experience at the end of the year, you know, even if you work for um, a company for three months during the summer break, I think um, I think that's really worthwhile because it puts what you're learning you know during that year at uni into a bit of context and um, getting that practical experience while you're studying, I think is is really uh, a great thing to consider.
1: Definitely. And that can also like help keep you energised with your course as well, seeing how it's applied and also consolidating all that knowledge. Like you'll learn a lot faster the next year if you've actually worked in it over summer. Yes. Have you got a shout out or a virtual high five for anyone who you'd just like to be like, you're doing a really awesome job and I'd like to give you a bit of extra acknowledgement?
0: Oh, I think I would like to give a shout out to all of the women who are working in STEM, who are working so hard at promoting their STEM field, so that we can increase the number of females in the STEM field, because there's so many, so many out there doing um, such a wonderful, wonderful job. And you just need to go on to LinkedIn and um, you know see see what great initiatives are out there. And one initiative that does come to mind that I would like to shout out have a shout give a shout out for is um, Hunterwise, which was developed by a group of I think five or six academic women working at the University of Newcastle and they're they're doing an amazing job at increasing the profile of women working in STEM. Yeah, so that's that's a really, really great initiative. So good on them.
1: <laughs> awesome. <laughs> we'll have to find them and like tag yes. them or link them in the show notes or something. That sounds great. They'd love it. And we'll <laughs> we'll give high fives to all the women that could be a lot, but um yeah, we could be here for a while, but high fives to all of you. You're all doing yes. awesome. And any young people that are listening, you can be awesome too. You can grow up to do STEM. It's not that scary.
0: <laughs> no, it's not at all. It's it's exciting and it's only going to get better.
1: That's so true. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Joe. It's been an absolute pleasure. And you're doing brilliant work. So please do keep it up.
0: Thank you. Lovely to talk.
1: It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this podcast, you're an absolute gem of a human being, and you should head over to avidresearch.com.au, sign up for our amazing email newsletter, and get all the download on the upcoming episodes, and maybe even get a bit of a sneak peek about what's coming next. If you've been enjoying this podcast, you should definitely subscribe. We're on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and even Google these days. Thanks.